This episode of the OrthoBullets audio review podcast will go over the topic of gunshot wounds from the trauma section on orthobullets.com. Gunshot wounds represent the second leading cause of death for young people in the United States. The wounding capability of a bullet is directly related to its kinetic energy. Ballistic experts who examine the effects of bullets on tissues define a penetrating missile as one that delivers an entrance wound but no exit wound, and a perforating missile as one that possesses both entrance and exit wounds. The yaw, Y-A-W, of a bullet is defined as the tumble of a bullet or its tendency to turn sideways in flight. The kinetic energy of a bullet is proportional to its mass and velocity squared. Maximum energy transfer is achieved with a yaw of 90 degrees, that is sideways. Yaw is decreased with longer distances of bullet travel, allowing a bullet to strike its target nose on. Penetrating, that is non-exiting missiles, deliver all their contained kinetic energy, while perforating, that is exiting missiles, transfer significantly less energy to tissues. A penetrating, but not perforating missile, with the highest velocity and the largest yaw, leads to the greatest transfer of kinetic energy. In a 2000 paper by Bartlett and others, they reviewed ballistics and gunshot injuries and state that energy transfer depends on six factors. One, the amount of kinetic energy at impact. Two, the stability and entrance profile, that is yaw. Three, caliber, construction, and configuration of the bullet. Four, distance and path traveled within the body, that is penetrating versus perforating. Five, biologic characteristics of the tissues impacted. And six, the mechanism of tissue disruption that is stretching, tearing, or crushing. The damage caused by bullets are a result of their passage into tissues, secondary to shockwave and cavitation. There is an exponential increase in injury with increasing velocity and efficient energy transfer with fractures that can be caused even without direct impact. Other associated conditions with gunshot wounds include lead intoxication, also known as plumbism, which may be caused by an intraarticular missile, aka a bullet, lodged in a joint. Systemic effects of lead intoxication include things like neurotoxicity, anemia, emesis, and abdominal colic. Another important point to remember is that gunshot wounds to the hip and acetabulum are most commonly associated with bowel perforation, vascular injury, and urogenital injuries in that order. Classification of gunshot wounds typically fall under three categories, low velocity, intermediate velocity, and high velocity. Low velocity wounds result from a muzzle velocity of less than 350 meters per second, or less than 2,000 feet per second, which most handguns, except for magnums, fall under, and these wounds are comparable to Gastillo-Anderson type 1 or type 2 wounds. Intermediate velocity wounds result from a muzzle velocity of 350 to 500 meters per second, which shotgun blasts are characteristic of. This is highly variable, of course, depending on the distance from the target, as shotgun blasts can absolutely reflect wounding potential of high-velocity firearms from close range, typically less than 21 feet away, or can reflect multiple low-velocity weapons. Wounding potential depends on three factors, and those are 1. Shot pattern, 2. Load or size of the individual pellet, and 3. The distance from the target. Wound contamination and infection are more likely to occur with close-range shotgun blasts due to shotgun wadding. Finally, high-velocity wounds result from a muzzle velocity of greater than 600 meters per second or greater than 2,000 feet per second. These wounds are typical of military assault rifles as well as hunting rifles 
and these wounds are comparable to Gastillo Anderson type 3 wounds regardless of size. There is a high risk for infection from these wounds secondary to a wide zone of injury and devitalized tissue. The presentation of patients with gunshot wounds typically involves symptoms of pain and deformity, and the physical exam should include a careful neuromuscular exam, and the index of suspicion for a compartment syndrome should also be very high, especially for high-velocity wounds that are associated with increased muscle edema. And of course, examine and document all associated wounds. Massive bone and soft tissue injuries can occur even with low-velocity weapons. As far as radiographic evaluation, always obtain plain films to identify bone involvement and or fracture pattern. CT scans are particularly useful to identify potential intraarticular missiles and to detect any hollow viscous injury that may communicate with a fracture. You should have a high index of suspicion for a hollow viscous injury in the setting of any pelvic fractures or spine fractures caused by a gunshot given their increased risk of associated bowel injury. Depending on the type of gunshot wound, the treatment is either non-operative or operative. Non-operative treatment for low-velocity gunshot wounds with no bone involvement and clean wound edges is just local wound care. Primary closure of gunshot wounds is always contraindicated. A low-velocity injury with no bone involvement or non-operative fractures but with some contamination usually requires local wound care, tetanus prophylaxis, and the current recommendation for wounds that appear contaminated is a short course of oral antibiotics. There's a retrospective study done by Geisler and others that compared 25 patients that prospectively received local irrigation and debridement, tetanus prophylaxis, and a long-acting cephalosporin intramuscularly to a random retrospective sample of 25 patients with similar ballistic-induced fractures and wounds managed by local debridement and 48 hours of intravenous antibiotics. One infection occurred in each group, requiring further therapy. So it was concluded that patients with low-velocity gunshot shot-induced fractures can be managed without the use of short-term intravenous antibiotics with no increased risk of infection. In another study, Dickey and others evaluated the efficacy of an outpatient management protocol for patients with a gunshot-induced fracture with a stable, non-operative configuration. 41 patients with a grade 1 or 2 open, non-operative fracture secondary to a low-velocity bullet were treated with 1 gram of cefazolin administered in the emergency room and a 7-day course of oral cephalexin. No patient developed a deep infection. Thus, local irrigation and debridement, tetanus prophylaxis, and antibiotics for two to three days is adequate for low-velocity gunshot wounds, according to these studies. In the context of operative gunshot wounds, treatment of non-orthopedic injuries like trans-abdominal trajectories, a laparotomy would take precedence over an arthrotomy. The available literature shows that transabdominal gunshot wounds with intraarticular contamination should be urgently debrided and irrigated, while extraarticular transabdominal gunshot wounds with stable fracture patterns may be managed with observation and empiric antibiotics. Bullets lodged in intraarticular locations should be removed since they may lead to local inflammation arthritis, and lead intoxication. But retained bullets in other anatomic locations do not necessarily warrant removal. Waters et al. retrospectively collected information regarding surgical debridement of pelvis, low-velocity gunshot wounds, retained foreign bodies, and or concomitant gastrointestinal injury, all of which was analyzed for relationships of such events to infection rate in 56 patients. The authors found that there was no increased incidence of infection in the absence of aggressive surgical debridement 
treatment of pelvis gunshot wounds. The study also determined that retained bullets and bullet fragments did not increase the risk of infection even after penetrating the GI tract organs. Zura et al. completed a review article on the treatment of gunshot wounds to the hip and pelvis. The authors state that antibiotic treatment usually is indicated for patients with gunshot wounds to the pelvis, but is controversial in patients with low energy wounds. Furthermore, they state that fractures are treated based on their stability and wound care should be determined by the personality of the injury and not solely based on the velocity of the missile. Miller et al. completed a recent review article on transabdominal gunshot wounds to the hip and pelvis in which they state that extra-articular transabdominal gunshot wounds with stable fracture patterns may be managed with observation and empiric antibiotics. Open reduction and internal fixation, or external fixation, are indicated for unstable, operative fracture patterns in low-velocity gunshot injuries. The treatment is typically dictated by fracture characteristics similar to closed fractures without gunshot wounds. Always stabilize the extremity with associated vascular or nerve injuries, and stabilize soft tissues in high-velocity velocity, high-energy gunshot injuries, basically treating grossly contaminated and devitalized wounds with aggressive debridement per the open fracture protocol. Gunshot wounds to the hand or foot should be taken to the OR for debridement and or fixation when there is articular involvement, an unstable fracture, presentation eight or more hours after the injury, tendon involvement, and when there are superficial fragments in the palm or sole. In the setting of a gunshot wound to the femur, intramedullary nailing is indicated when a diaphyseal femur fracture is secondary to low-velocity gunshot wounds. You would basically superficially debride the wound and immediately fix the fracture with a reamed intramedullary nail. And studies have shown union and infection rates are similar to those of closed injuries. In the setting of a gunshot wound to a femur from a high-velocity weapon or close-range shotgun blast, this would be an indication for external fixation and stabilization of the soft tissues with aggressive debridements. External fixation is also indicated whenever there is an associated vascular injury. The idea is basically to temporize the extremity until the soft tissues are amenable to intramedullary nailing. In the setting of a gunshot wound to the spine with associated perforated viscous, the treatment is typically non-operative with broad-spectrum antibiotics for 7 to 14 days. Gunshot wounds to the spine present relatively little risk of infection in most cases. When there has been an injury to the small bowel, the risk of infection can be minimized with a 7-day course of broad-spectrum antibiotics. Indications for surgery would include when a neurological deficit is present that correlates with imaging findings of neurological compression by the missile or when the missile is in contact with the cerebrospinal fluid posing a risk for metal toxicity. A retained bullet fragment within the spinal canal in patients with incomplete motor deficits is a relative indication for surgical excision of the fragment. Rofi et al. performed a level 4 study of 42 patients that sustained a gunshot wound that perforated the stomach or bowel and then entered the spinal column. They found that an extended regimen of broad-spectrum antibiotics combined with bed rest appeared to significantly reduce the risk of spinal or paraspinal infection, whereas early bullet removal did not significantly prevent the occurrence of infection. Velmahus et al. also performed a level 4 study including 24 patients that sustained a gunshot wound to the spine with associated colonic injury. They found that the incidence of sepsis was 8 0.4% compared to 5% in non-bowel injuries and concluded that retainment of the bullet did not increase the rate of sepsis. 
That's all for this review on gunshot wounds. This is the OrthoBullets audio review, a podcast by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Visit orthobullets.com or download the Bullets app on your iPhone or Android device for topics, questions, techniques, videos, and much more.